It's Wednesday, March 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me, the one and only Bill Barker. Good to talk to you. Good to be back. How's it going? You know, just uh, taking it day by day like everyone is. Um, we've got some earnings news. We've got some guidance news. Let's start with Nike. Uh, third quarter sales for Nike came in higher than expected. Uh, profits were sort of light, but this was this was one of those quarters where the investments that Nike has been making in online sales uh, really paid off for them. Yeah, I think this was a, a lot of uh, good signs in this, and uh, that's welcome in the market today. The stock is obviously responding, having been beaten down like just about everything else. But uh, primarily, this is good news from the China side, where the online investments uh, have led to, I think, uh, about a hundred percent increase in uh, online sales in China. And uh, you know, for the quarter, uh, I think sales are only off like four percent or something like that. So, I think that uh, this is a playbook that Nike is referring to that it can now roll out for its much larger markets, uh, having gone through uh, the worst of things in China and having learned some lessons quickly and and having adapted. I know that yesterday, pretty much everything in the market was up and. Nike was part of that, but they reported after the bell, uh, shares are up about 11% today, and the stock is up more than 25% in just two days. And I think a lot of investors, myself included, are looking for signs of positivity wherever we can find it. Uh, I don't own shares of Nike, but this, and I'm not saying it's only going to be upside from here, but this is a really good quarter. I mean, it, you know, for, for the results that they put up, and as you said, uh, just from a tactical side of things, it's and you know, John Donahoe has been CEO just for a couple of months now, but it, it seems like Nike is in a better position than a lot of other businesses in its industry. Yeah, in retail, and I would say that I was reminded of um, a. Churchill quote uh, on on thinking about this and seeing these these results and uh, thinking that this is not uh, this is not the end of of the problems that are going to come from coronavirus and it's it's not the beginning of the end but the, what they've sort of gone through is the end of the beginning which is China's quick recovery having implemented. Uh, its own playbook for how to address uh, this virus and having so far uh, corralled the, the worst uh, parts of it. And right now, Nike, unlike a couple of other companies that we'll talk about, is, is still trading because of the decline uh, in the price over this year. Uh, it's trading at a substantially uh, more attractive valuation compared to the last five years. Um, now, that is going to be true across the retail sector for the for the most part uh, but uh, the bounce today is is largely due to this may be a signs of, of kind of normalized results um, sooner rather than later uh, and a currently attractive price well we'll get to uh, the ripple effects of that in terms of the guidance in a minute but let's talk about Winnebago for a second because Winnebago's 
You know, similar to Nike, uh, second quarter revenue came in higher than expected. Shares of Winnebago up around 10% today. Now, this is still much like with Nike. You know, Winnebago started the year at $50 a share. It got down to 20 Now it's in the high 20s. But this is an interesting one to me because Winnebago is at the intersection of two large industries, uh, travel and housing. And I'm wondering uh, what you think the future holds for the RV industry, because I hadn't really thought of it until I was looking at Winnebago's report this morning. But I thought, boy, you know what? This this might be uh, this might be a good few years for Winnebago and Thor Industries and other players in this space. Uh, well, I'll give you the bull case, and the market is buying into a certain amount of bullishness today with the stock up 14%. As we talk, it'll be different by the time people are listening to this, because that's the nature of market movements uh, these days. Uh, I mean, it's been slammed this year, uh, and so having gone from over $60 a share down to, uh, I think, below 20 uh, look, two-thirds of the price was taken off in the last couple of really weeks. And so it is rebounding a little bit from today, from that today. If you want to look on the bullish side, it's it's this. People buy RVs when the economy is good, when they have jobs, when they have job security, uh, when gas prices are low, and when interest rates are low. That's that's sort of where the perfect storm is for RV sales is uh, good interest rates, good gas prices, and good employment numbers. Well, you're not going to have those good employment numbers, and you're not going to have a lot of confidence in the economy for a bit. Uh, the other two legs are working out well. And if you want to look at something which might be hopeful for RV manufacturers, it's that people may turn to spending on uh, keeping their, their families in an RV rather than traveling by airplane, rather than traveling by cruise. Uh, this is where the discretionary spend for travel and leisure uh, would come in. Those are some of the main competitors, and people might say, hey, I, I want to have an RV. Next time this comes up, I want to be able to hop in my RV and go wherever I want and live wherever I want. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit optimistic, I would say, because I think the really the employment numbers and the, the consumer confidence is going to make RV sales uh, very challenging uh, for this year. So let's move on to Church and Dwight. This is a company we talked about last week. This is the uh, the parent company of Clorox. Um, after the market closed yesterday, uh, Church and Dwight came out with a statement. Um, you sent it to me, and I I read it you a couple of times. You were bored. You couldn't find anything interesting in there. It wasn't so much that you just you sent me this, and you said, "Hey, maybe we should talk about this." And I read it twice, and I was like, "What? What is the news here? I'm not really sure what the news is, um, other than they uh, confirmed when their earnings report is coming out in April, and you know they'll be having the customary conference call and all that." Uh, but your response was, uh, if if I'm recalling correctly, your response was basically, uh, Church and Dwight is is trying to say that business is really good right now. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, this is sort of, and as uh, to peel back the curtain on how we set up stories sometimes, uh, I fall back on the compare and contrast model a lot. Like there, there are two pieces of news, let's compare and contrast because 
I never really got any further than about fourth grade uh, in my <laughs> writing, I think. And, and so I think that uh, what I want to compare this to is Target, which is more prominently in the news today. And uh, so Church and Dwight just has a lot of things which people are buying in extra supply right now. So they're talking about the, the positive side for them is, as they mentioned, all their manufacturing facilities and distribution centers are currently open, which distinguishes them from a lot of other businesses. And not only are they open, but they are going to be sort of uh, on, on overdrive because a lot of what they make is cleaning supplies under the Arm & Hammer and under the OxyClean uh, names. Uh, you could also make an argument that uh, uh, Trojan brand is going to do well in this environment. Uh, if you want to make that argument, I'll try to keep you from uh, going off the rails on it. Are you going to make that argument? No, I am uh, going to make the correction because clearly I misspoke before when I said that Church and Dwight was the parent company of Clorox. Clorox is the parent company of Clorox. But we oh, I wasn't listening. I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> but we did talk about this last week um, because I was uh, a week ago. I was saying, why shouldn't I just buy Clorox? I don't even know who they can. You know who's competing with them, and that's when you brought up Church and Dwight with the OxyClean brand. But anyway, please continue. Uh, so a lot of what they have are categorized as sort of essential uh, under the, the current guidelines, under the essential critical infrastructure uh, guidance that came out of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and so basically what they're saying is we, we you know, we're open for business. We're, we're working hard to make as much of this as we can. Um, but, you know, there will be some extra costs along uh, along with this. Um, and, you know, t Target, which is in the news today for having withdrawn its guidance, uh, but pointing out that March sales, the early part of March, I think sales were up maybe 20% in the first couple of weeks of March. So that sounds remarkably good. Uh, and, and it's a part of panic buying and it's, it's gotten, uh, even even greater, but the categories that that panic buying is occurring in for Target are the lowest margin parts of of the business. The 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 things that people are buying there are not the more discretionary, higher margin things like clothing. Uh, they're buying consumer staples, which Target is is happy to be selling right now, uh, but is not going to drive the same profitability uh, as as the other merchandise in the store. Uh, you know, Church and Dwight just makes this uh, this stuff that is selling right now. So, so they're not they're not seeing any of the downside of where sales are not. They're just saying, seeing for the most part the the upside. I took a walk yesterday afternoon uh, down King Street in Old Town Alexandria. Walked down to the Potomac River, and noticed that. A bunch of the restaurants that are on King Street, which is the main strip in Old Town, uh, were uh, obviously trying to get business, um, had signs up in the window about uh, they're doing delivery, they're doing takeout, all that sort of thing. And I counted at least three restaurants that were using as a promotion to encourage people to get takeout or delivery uh, that, depending on how much food you buy, the restaurant would throw in a free roll of toilet paper. So that's where we are, I think, when it comes to the hoarding uh, and toilet paper specifically as a commodity. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, are you tying that in? You're tying that into Target? Or, I'm tying uh, that into Target. And, and just, you know, sort of, because you're right, if you're a Target shareholder, on the one hand, it's like, you know, that's great to see those types of numbers. Um, if you're Brian Cornell running Target, one of the things you're trying to do is manage your inventory. And they've tried with varying levels of success to get people to you know, sort of limit the amount of stuff that they're buying. Yeah. Well, Church and Dwight uh, participates in that economy, sort of, um, but not the part that's being hoarded. They they always, uh, for the last couple of years, have talked about the success of their uh, clumping uh, kitty litter. Uh, really, sort of the same thing as the toilet paper, but and yet there's no run on kitty litter. That's interesting. Not really, but I no, was just saying, no, no, I was no, saying I, where you would go with that. No, you, <laughs> since you didn't take the bait on Trojan, I, I was going to throw you the kitty litter stuff and see if you could come up with any of your comedy stylings. <laughs> you know, we better move on because you, you're over two. We, we, well, you know, similar to you missing the the mistake I made about uh, saying that Church and Dwight is the parent company of Clorox, I truly wasn't listening when you mentioned the Trojan thing. So give me another shot at it. It's a problem of not being in the same room. I think uh, I, I think our comedy back and forth would be would be better under those circumstances. <laughs> it's a low bar, but I think I know, it would be. It's a low- um, let, let's go back to Target though for a second, because Target, you know, as you said, they withdrew their guidance. Um, Whirlpool did the same thing. We have seen other companies withdraw guidance completely. Uh, MasterCard, Twitter. Um, But it it is worth noting that the overwhelming majority of companies in the S&P 500 haven't done that yet. They haven't just gone whole hog and withdrawn guidance altogether. We're going to be entering into earnings season next month. Do you expect that to change? And if so, to what degree? Uh, I, well, I, I, I think there will be a lot less guidance. Um, and I think that those that can confidently give guidance are going to get the benefits of that. I think one of the reasons why Target may be in front of some others in that withdrawing guidance, because that is typically a signal for the market to uh, panic a little bit when a company can't tell you now that everybody's got a little bit more leeway because of, of the times we're in. Uh, but Target is is marrying this withdrawing of guidance with the information that uh, you know, same-store sales were up uh, 4% for the, the preceding four weeks, and that for uh, food and beverage and, and other essentials, uh, sales have been up 50%. So they're they're sort of saying, well, things are, are really good in these these categories that people are coming in and need us to be open and, and they're buying in great volume and they're panic buying. But we don't really know when this panic buying is going to uh, resolve itself. And in the meantime, we're missing out on a lot of normal discretionary sales. People aren't coming in and picking through the, the clothing right now. So... Uh, I, I credit them for saying we can't really give you good guidance, so let's not give you any guidance. But it's not all bad, and it's it's not all good. So the market is taking this as an opportunity to sell off um, shares, um, which are really pretty much very very much in the valuation range of the last five years. If you look at where they are right now, there's this is not one of the stocks that has sold off and created some special opportunity over the last five years. It's uh, the average price to sales is 
is 0.6. It's currently at 0.66. So it's a little higher than the the five-year trailing average. It's a, it's really the for, uh, price to forward earnings is 14.7 uh, over the last five years, the average has been 14.8. So there's not not a lot to see in uh, in in today's target price that's uh, different from you know the average. Last question, then I'll let you go. Uh, Warren Buffett, who we have not heard from, is sitting on somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 billion dollars worth of cash. Maybe. Where do you where do you think he's looking? Uh, things I, are things are much more in the value range than they were at the beginning of the year when he was, you know, pretty open about the fact that he's got his elephant gun. He's looking to deploy it, and uh, this is the environment for him to do that. This is. I don't know whether it's going to be necessarily in the open market. Uh, I think there are going to be. Plenty of opportunities. Um, right now, the valuation of the market isn't deeply discounted to what I think he would find as, as a fair value. Uh, but where is he looking? He's probably looking in the same sorts of categories that he's been looking for most of his life. Uh, large brands that are uh, well-known, easy to understand. And, uh, you know, I think he's maybe had his fill of, of financials. I doubt, I tend to think he's not looking at the airlines, which is where he's made some, you know, bigger purchases over the last couple of years. Um, there is a lot of speculation. When are we going to hear from him? When is he going to come out and say, buy America, uh, which he, he did in, in 2008. But really, I think the valuations at the point that he came out then were, were much more attractive than what we're seeing so far. It's interesting you say that because he, that was, I believe, early October of 2009 when Buffett came out with his op-ed piece. And it was, I think you're right, I think the headline 2000, was... 2008. 2008, oh, two, 2008 excuse me, October 2008. And the, the headline was, Buy American, I am. Um, but that wasn't the bottom. Like, yes, they, valuations may have been more attractive then compared to where they are right now, but they still went down from October 2009, oh, yeah. uh, 2008. I mean, yeah, but they were attractive. Uh, I, I think there are lots of metrics that you can go back and look at the valuation of things in, in October 2008 and say just whether you're working off price to book, whether you're working off you know price to trend earnings, whether you're working off you know anything other than what forward earnings would have been expected at that moment in time, uh, that things were attractive. Uh, looking back, now you needed the stomach to be able to act on that, and he had it. Uh, but I don't think that the, the valuations that we see today on most of those metrics are yet comparable to what, what was available in October of 2008. You can find other people that think think they are, but but you know, I, I don't think that uh, things have declined to that that extent yet. Bill Barker, good talking to you. I promise I'll be sharper next time. <laughs> I, I blame myself. I, these these were not great setups. <laughs> They're the best I could come up with. 
As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.